welcome to the program. We start out today with good news. Word of a sizable federal grant coming to Springfield to further advance the efforts to uh, once and for all get rid of the eyesore aspects of the former Pillsbury Mills plant and turn that into something functional and useful for the community. To uh, talk more about this grant, what it means, and how it advances that effort, Chris Richmond is here moving Pillsbury forward. And Chris, always great to see you, especially on a day when there's good news to discuss. Oh, certainly, certainly good news today. We're excited. We got the word from uh, Congresswoman Nikki Budzinski's office uh, saying that this uh, grant from the U.S. Uh, EPA is worth more than $787,000. That's a sizable chunk of change. What's that going to do? Oh, it certainly is. W what we're going to do with that is we're going to take care of all of the remaining asbestos and lead paint issue within the, the buildings at Pillsbury. So all of the remaining buildings uh, that have contamination that wasn't cleaned up during the 2017 EPA cleanup, it will now be cleaned up. So uh, we'll go through an, an environmental review process for the next few months, and then we'll get started probably later this fall or into the winter. Uh, with, with those remediation activities, and then we'll be set for teardown. It, uh, is it possible to quantify what, what we're talking about here in terms of the number of buildings or the amount of area that have these contaminants, be it asbestos or, or coated with the lead paint? I mean, a, a building, obviously, some of this stuff dates back to the 1920s, uh, and lead paint was was used a lot back then. So how extensive is the problem on the site? Right. You know, it's, um, you know we've got about 500,000 square feet uh, of buildings space uh, that still remains at Pillsbury. Uh, that's in approximately 10 different buildings. And, you know, there there's significant lead paint issues. Um, not all lead paints created equal. You know, some colors have a whole lot less lead content than others. Uh, we took about a thousand samples last summer uh, as part of our survey uh, that we did with the phase two environmental work. Um, so we've got those areas identified. We know what needs to be removed and, and scraped and blasted off there. And, and we also know from our survey with the asbestos survey last summer uh, just where the remaining asbestos asbestos is. Much of that is in um, uh, paneling sheets and, and in uh, floor tiles and that sort of thing. Um, you know, nothing too crazy, uh, but you've got to get at it and get it out of there before you tear down the buildings. You know, on the one hand, you look at this and you say, wow, that's that's a lot of money, $787,000 and change. On the other hand, we know that uh, you're talking in the multi-millions of dollars to really complete the work here. So put yes. this into some context for us as far as what does this do to move the project forward and, and how much closer does it get you to the ultimate goal of demolishing and redeveloping the site? Right. This this moves the project significantly forward. What this means is we've now built a financial stack that exceeds $5 million. And with $5 million, we can now be assured uh, that we can remediate all the buildings. In other words, get the remaining contaminants out of those buildings and get them torn down. And so that leaves the remaining challenge for us is, is the silo component. And that's our, our next big piece of work is to, to put that element together. And, uh, and then within the next 36 months or so, we should see a cleared site at Pillsbury. 
36 months. I mean, that, that's a breathtaking to think about when you consider how big the, the task is and, and the relatively short period of time that you and the, the nonprofit Moving Pillsbury Forward have really been working in earnest on this. It, it is moving pretty rapidly, it seems. It, it, it certainly feels like it at this stage, yeah. right? We, uh, you know, it's building momentum. Um, it clearly, in the early months, back in late 2019, it was a lot like pushing a rock uphill. Um, I'll have to say uh, the last six months, we started out, uh, you know, Senator Durbin graciously put $2 million in a congressionally directed request. That was announced in December. Since that time, the city's matched another $2 million. Uh, we've put a few hundred thousand here and there into it since that time. And with this $787,000, uh, you know, we're up over the $5 million mark, and, and we're really... Um, off and running. That that puts you, though, roughly halfway to what you estimated the total project was going to cost here. And while this is exciting, the reality is the EPA is not going to turn around every week with another $787,000 check. So where does the next $1 million, $2 million, $5 million come from? Where, where do you turn to, to to get the rest of the way to the finish line? Right. Well, Ed, as as we speak, we're still we're, we're waiting for a state budget. Uh, we know we put in a, bu a request within that budget, and, uh, you know, they're right in the final stages of the spring session, so uh, we're anxiously waiting to see uh, what comes out of that, but I'm, I'm very optimistic then that we'll have a sizable, uh, another piece of the puzzle uh, to put in place. Can you say how much that would be, or do you not want to jinx it at this point? Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I wouldn't want to jinx it at this point. I, I know it's, uh, it's a tough budget process right. uh, this time of year, but yeah, hopefully uh, this time next week, maybe we have we have another uh, good announcement, and I know um, you know we're we're also working on other grant opportunities at the federal level, and at this point we're working with Illinois EPA to identify some some funding through the Illinois EPA as well. So the Congresswoman's press release references federal community project funding. So is that something like out of HUD or or where where's where does that money come from potentially or, or has yes, and and we have. And we applied to uh, Representative Bozinski's uh, office for community project funding as, at the level of $1 million. That has been advanced to the, to the House Appropriations Committee. Uh, so we're optimistic that that will make it through the appropriations process by this fall and get signed into law hopefully in December. Of course, you know, in D.C. this week, the big wrangling is over budget uh, numbers. Um, but by December, we, we hope to see another million through there, and that'll come through HUD, Housing yeah. and Urban Development. Talking with Chris Richmond, moving Pillsbury forward about today's announcement of $787,000 in a U.S. EPA grant toward the remediation of this site and eventual demolition of the properties on the uh, former Pillsbury Mill site uh, to clear the way for eventual redevelopment. Uh, is there anything in the works or anything under consideration as far as private investment in this? You know, a number of different government grants and sources of funding, but can this become a public-private partnership? Oh, it, it certainly can. Uh, I, I know we, we've all assessed the project. We're working closely with Ryan McCready and the folks over at, at, at Springfield Sangman Growth Alliance. Uh, they are really tasked with, and, and we're partnered with them in finding a, a redeveloper. And we know that, uh, you know, the closer we get to getting buildings torn down, the closer we get to having the uh, property 
property actually cleaned up and available, uh, the higher our chances for attracting that redeveloper. So I'm anticipating in the next 12 to 24 months, we will really hone in on identifying redevelopment and that and, and Ryan McCready and his team they're they're fully competent and and we're excited about it. Congresswoman Bazinski's press release also says that uh, today's grant from the US EPA will support community involvement activities. What does that mean? Community involvement that that in, includes things like the tours that we've been doing this last month and the public meetings that we have on a periodic basis. Really, what they want to see with these grants is they want to see uh, that you're involving the community, that you're listening to the community, and that you're and that you're addressing things like social and environmental justice issues within the community. And of course, that's you know <laughs> that's how we got this started. Was we that that was our intent was to address those sort of issues so that community benefit would would come of the project. It's really pretty remarkable the community response you've gotten for a plant that's been dormant for a couple of decades and was even a couple of decades more removed from its real heyday. How right. much people still identify with this plant to you know connect with it feel like it's part of their history and their legacy and, and they've been coming out in big numbers to see the site and, and kind of reconnect to it they have it's you know it's it's been just uh, wonderful to see in the month of april we we gave tours on three consecutive weekends and throughout the month of april we had over 400 community members tour the site many many of them i took a raise of hands at, at most of the tours and I want to say probably a quarter to a third of them actually had a, a family connection to the site, just like I do. And it, there still is that emotional response in Springfield. Everybody remembers the, the cakes, the brownies, uh, the good paychecks that, that came oh, yeah. home and, and made for, for good middle-class incomes. Yep, your, your dad, my dad, you know, uh, same thing. So Absolutely. Uh, um, the... Uh, uh, one side note, anything new on the, the Doughboy search and, uh, the, you know, whether there's any possibility of a, of a different origin story than uh, what we've all been led to believe over the decades? Right. Well, we have, you know, we had two lines of potential origin stories here locally. Uh, one led to the, the George Collin, who is, is a well-known artist. He passed away about 10 years ago now, but he had a studio up in, in Salisbury. Um, he actually was employed and worked at Pillsbury from 1948 to 1975, wow. uh, became a well-known folk artist. So it was very plausible that it could have been George. Now, we've been in contact with his family. Uh, they've gone through many of his old, older works uh, and have not been able to find any direct evidence, nor did he ever in his lifetime uh, profess to be that right. person. Right. Uh, the second line is, is Wilkie. Uh, Wynn Wilkins, yeah. And uh, I, I would say it's much more likely that it was Wilkie, uh, that w was our guy. He actually had close friends, a close friend, Jim Josh Shrake, that um, begged him to take credit for it. And uh, Wilkie just, just wouldn't do it <laughs> for one reason or another. He was a company man. He was yeah. actually a sur supervisor. He wasn't in the union. Um, you know, so he, he, I think he felt it was part of his job. But his family has, uh, has been... Uh, going through his archive of things again he passed away about 10 years ago yeah. but just a great story he was he was a navy veteran along with his buddy jim uh, they were both in the navy in world war ii and uh you know the whole idea of the doughboy and and the scarf that looks an awful lot like a navy scarf it all adds up uh to something 
substantial. He, he was a heck of an artist. He and my dad were friends, and my dad would bring home cartoons that he drew about people at the plant and things, and I don't recall ever seeing uh, a, a dope, <laughs> at least a, a, a Doughboy, you know, earlier than, you know, everybody saw the Doughboy and all the advertising and everything, but uh, right. the, the minute I heard that name, it just it just immediately said, that's, that's a very plausible story there, because he was just an exceptional caricature-type artist. So. Right, and, and I've seen over 50 of those uh, cartoons that yeah. uh, survived, uh, one of the employees, uh, uh, Cunningham, actually uh, kept a number of those, and they're in the family archives with the families at this point. And uh, many, many folks in the community, after after Wilkie left uh, Pillsbury, went on to sell cars there at Friendly Chevrolet right. for a number of years. And many of the employees at Pillsbury bought cars from him. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty not so sure my sure. dad did, too. Yeah. I, I'm not so sure my dad didn't <laughs> buy his Chevy pickup truck from Wilkie. So. Well, uh, once again, a uh, lot of progress and exciting news today, and everybody who uh, is interested in this, wants to keep tracking it. What's the best way to stay connected with Moving Pillsbury Forward? Oh, the best way to stay connected with us is just visit our website, pillsburyproject.org. Uh, you can get all the latest news and information on the project and how to contact us. Chris Richmond, Moving Pillsbury Forward, as always, uh, thank you for your time. Congratulations on this exciting news and keep us updated.